Nashville. You know, it'll be, it'll be a lot of headaches and a lot of problems, but you'll be having fun. And I'm having a blast. Uh, it, it is so overwhelming, uh, rewarding to see the impact that, that uh, God is making on uh, St. Paul and the surrounding area through this ministry. And I feel just overwhelmed that I can have a role in it, uh, to have a part in this. And I sense a real appreciation on the part of people. I think a lot of the pastors sense that. Um, and I just want to tell you, I love you guys. I love pastoring this church. It's, it's, it's a blast. And I am really looking forward to what the Lord's going to do in 2002. Uh, I, I really am. I think it's going to be good. Praise God. I love you guys. I love you. Can't have my bud. All right. Whatever. Okay, at the... Uh, Beginning of every year, what I've done the last four or five years is um, to, to give a state of the congregation address. You know, Bush is going to give a state of the union address. Jesse gave a state of the state address. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, right here in this auditorium, we had the mayor of, uh, of Maplewood with Jesse Ventura. I got to, got to meet him. <laughs> um, we we uh, had a state of the region address. <laughs> and I haven't washed my hands since. <laughs> no. Um, no, it, it was great, you know. I'm just glad we can offer this, and, and that opened up some, some neat doors. Uh, but, you know, we need to have a state of the congregation address. And my reason for doing this is not because I want to be like the politicians of the world. That's rarely been one of my aspirations. Um, the reason is this. Uh, Saints of God, we have to give an account of what we do, of how we grow, of the impact we make in our life. We have to give an account to our Lord, to our captain, we're in the army, of how we've stewarded the gifts that he's given to us, of what we've done with the grace that he saved us with and empowered us with. And we give that account not just individually. Now, here's the, here's the, here's the, the point. And we Americans don't usually think this way. We give an account not just individually, but collectively. There is an individual accounting that goes on. The Bible says a lot about how every believer will stand before Christ and give an account. Uh, there, there's a, there is a judgment of believers that's not about salvation, but about rewards. We stand before the Lord not just individually, but, note this, collectively. Which means this. If our heart aspiration is, as it must be, to hear from the Lord when we go to be with Him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You didn't just get by by the skin of your teeth. You didn't just kind of ride the, the, the grace uh, you know, caboose and, and sort of just get in. You, you, you did something worthwhile. Your life was meaningful to the kingdom. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. If I'm going to hear that, part of that is going to connect to what we as a body do. I need you, in other words, to hear that well done, thou good and faithful servant. And you need me to hear that, that well done, thou good and faithful servant. And we need each other to hear that well done, thou good and faithful servant. It says this in Revelations chapter 2. Now just note this. We, don't, we Americans don't think this way. We're very individualistic. But in Revelations chapter 2 and in Revelations chapter 3, the Lord gives an address, uh, a report card, as it were, a state of the congregation address, as it were, to the angel in charge of, of a, a church in a given reason, uh, in a given region. There's seven angels and seven churches and seven regions that he addresses. Apparently there are, he puts angels in charge of individual congregations. We apparently have, a, there's an angel in charge of Woodland Hills Church. I hope it's a good one. I think it is. He's doing a pretty good job. Thank you, angel. But uh, let's go on. It's a weird concept. But what's really interesting is that the Lord addresses this to the angel, but then he speaks to the congregation. 
And he gives a report card of these seven churches in these seven regions. He says, you know, I know that here's the good that you're doing, but here's the area where I need to see some growth. And he challenges them in very strong ways. You see, what we need to understand here is this. Now note this. The reward or the discipline attaches to the congregation as a whole. It has implications, of course, for every individual in the congregation, but it's done with a view towards the congregation. God thinks in corporate wholes, not just in terms of individuals. He, uh, he treated Israel like it was one individual. He treats these churches like they're one individual, and so he treats Woodland Hills Church like it's one individual. Uh, in Revelations chapter 2, the Lord says this, I, Jesus, am the one who searches minds and hearts, and I will give to each of you, and here he uses the plural, you all. Uh, he's speaking to a group here. He's speaking to a, a, a church. I will give to you what your works deserve. Okay, I'll, I'll bless you. I'll reward you both now and later on the basis of what uh, the church as a whole is doing. And so what it means is this. It's a different concept for us. But it's, it, it's huge. It's revelatory. It really changes the way you think about things. It means this. We ought to be very, very invested in how we as a church are doing. If this is your spiritual body, if this is what you consider to be your church, uh, then, then you ought to be very, very invested in how we as a church and in what we as a church are doing. If you're visiting here, praise God, you ought to be concerned about what your church, whatever, it, whatever body it is that you are, are, are spiritually aligned with and working in, you ought to be very interested in how they're doing. Just like my toe if you will, my toes should be very interested in what goes on with my body as a whole. Uh, because what happens to my body as a whole is going to affect my toe. If I get a bullet through the brain or a bullet through the heart, my toe is going to suffer, don't you think? And so my toe should be interested not just in what the toe is doing, but what, what's going on with the whole body. What affects the body affects the parts. What affects the parts affects the body. And so it is in the body of Christ. We are really a body, the body of, of Christ. And God is very intent on what goes on in the body of Christ. Just like He was very in, interested in and invested in what went on in His body when He was incarnate in the person of Jesus Christ. We are an extension of the incarnation. That's why we're called the body of Christ. We are His eyes, we are His feet, we are His toes, we are His mouth. And He's very invested in what goes on here. The difference is this. He needs our cooperation. He needs our yielding to Him to accomplish what He wills to do through the body, the corporate body. And what goes on in this body brings about a reward to the body. It comes back to every individual, you see? So we ought to be very, very invested in this. If I was looking for a church right now, if I was church shopping, my main criteria, and I think this is biblical, the main criteria I would look for is this. Is this a body that is doing something for the kingdom? You see, because my heart aspiration, every, the heart aspiration of every believer, should be to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so I want to maximize my impact in the, in, in the world. I want, to, I want to make sure, and every believer should, should, should have as their central target the goal of making as big a splash and impact for the kingdom of God that is, is possible before you die. And to do that, you need a body. 
You need a body that you can be a part of that's really doing something. The main criteria ought to be, is this a place that will challenge me to become all that I can be in Jesus Christ? And is this a place where I can be used to impact the world as much as possible for the cause of Jesus Christ? It blows me away when I see studies on the kind of criteria that Americans usually use to decide what church to go to. Everything from what's convenient for me, for how close it is, how short is the service, and how nice is the parking space. But if we're thinking biblically, those criteria would have nothing to do with it. Our one concern should be, is this a body that's going to make a difference? Because for me to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, I need a body that's going to be doing good stuff for the Lord. It's going to be impacting the Lord, uh, the kingdom of God. And impacting is what it's all about, amen? Impacting the world is what it's all about, amen? We need to be impacting. That's, I, I want and we all should want our heart aspirations to make as big of an impact for Jesus Christ in this world as is possible. Impacting the young, impacting the old, impacting adults, impacting senior citizens, impacting minds, impacting hearts. Uh, impacting children, praise God, impacting the way people live, impacting the way people think, impacting ourselves, impacting our family, impacting our neighborhoods, impacting the city, impacting the suburbs, impacting wherever we can, however we can, to whoever we can, making a difference for the cause of Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. So we've got to ask the question, how are we doing? Well, the Nose Church, how are we doing? Uh, see, we're, we're not playing church. This isn't a religion game. This isn't a, you know, we've been dealing with the myths that people have sometimes when they, when they, when they come to church. Idea, misconceptions. And a lot of people think this is just a, uh, a church is sort of here to make you feel good. Uh, it's a place where a bunch of individuals come and, and you get a little, you know, little tidbit to live by and you sing some nice songs and, and you feel a little bit better about life or whatever. But see, this isn't that. This is about, this is about us being an army, amen? This is serious stuff. Now, it's also joyful stuff. It's party stuff. It's rowdy stuff. It's fun stuff. But it's serious stuff. We've got a job to do, a vocation, a call, a mandate on us. And we're going to give an account of it. And what's going to happen to me eternally depends on what part of what, what, what's going to happen to me eternally depends on what goes on with this body. So I want to take an account now, a very honest, even sometimes ruthless reckoning of how we're doing. Because we're going to be doing it later. I'd rather do it now. Amen? And adjust what needs to be adjusted so that we can maximize our impact for the kingdom of God. Uh, I, 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 I'm going to get into this for, the, for two weeks here, but I first want to lay out uh, our vision and our structure just to remind ourselves, this is the kind of thing we talk about in Discover Woodland Hills, but to remind ourselves what, what, what we're called to do. Because if, if you don't have down what you're called to do, you can't really uh, know how you're doing. If you don't know where you're going, you're never going to know when you get there. You're not even going to know if you're going the right direction. So here's the vision of Woodland Hills Church that uh, God has given to us. This, is, this sums up what, what we're about. We want to be a community of spiritually empowered people who reflect God's love and advance God's kingdom in St. Paul and the surrounding area, and to the world as the Lord leads, working hand-in-hand hand with other expressions of the body of Christ until all have reached fullness in Christ. That's our bullseye. That's our target. That's what we're aiming at. To be spiritually empowered, learning how to walk in the Spirit, to be a community, not just a bunch of individuals, to be making impact for the kingdom of God, advancing the kingdom of God against the kingdom of darkness, and to be doing it as a team player for the church at large. Now, here's the structure of, of the church. This is how the church is structured. We go into this in much greater depth and discover Woodland Hills. Uh, but uh, here's just kind of an outline for it. Uh, every ministry in this church is structured in one of three ways. There's three aspects to our ministry. This is how we achieve the vision. There's reaching up. 
a reaching out ministry, which is basically about this corporate celebration where we worship the Lord and proclaim the Lord's truth to get our lives lined up with, with, with the Lord. I'm talking to an army here in my own mind on, on, on uh, Sunday mornings and Saturday nights. And the goal here is to get our wills and to get our lives and to get our minds and to get our attitudes lined up with the Lord's will, that His, His will may be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is reaching up ministries. Then there's reaching in ministries. And this is about building community. It's about body life. It's about counseling and, and, and helping people become all they can be in Jesus Christ. And then there's the reaching out ministries, which is about evangelism and it's about missions and it's about social action. And it's about networking with other churches and things of that sort. Reaching up, reaching in, reaching out. That's what we're doing. And as we reach up and as we reach in and as we reach out, we want to be advancing the kingdom of God against the kingdom of darkness so that this vision that the Lord's given us to attain can be fully attained. Our slogan in the church is tearing down walls. And the reason it's called tearing down walls is because all of these three things uh, require tearing down walls. We're here to tear down walls that separate people from God. We want to tear down walls that separate people from their own potential in Christ. That's about the reaching in thing. That people become the full warriors and more than conquering disciples that the Lord wants us to be. And then reaching out, tearing down walls that separate people from people. Denominations from denominations. Races one race from another race and so on and so on. We are tearing down wall, kingdom advancing uh, kind of congregation. That's what the Lord has called us to be. And now the question is this. How are we doing? Let's give a report card. If the Lord is going to give us a report card, and this is what I'm trying to do here is discern the Lord's report card. We ask, how are we doing in this? Um, And uh, I'll deal with the reaching up ministry today, and next week I'll deal with reaching in and, and hopefully reaching out. But how are we doing? So let's talk about the reaching up ministry. There's three aspects to this reaching up ministry, and this is basically the corporate celebration that we're talking about here. So I want to give a report card on preaching. I want to give a report card on worship. And I want to give a report card on the support ministries. Uh, The ushers, oh, you guys are going to get it. Uh, The ushers and the greeters. uh, And and ask the question, how are we as a congregation doing? All right, let's talk about preaching first. It stinks. It's it's pretty lame. Okay, listen, you're an overseer. You've got to back me up here, man. Hey, every church is going to have its weak link, you know, and so we're just going to have to deal with this one. It is a little weird giving a report card on myself, though, because, you know, it's like, well, I think I'm just wonderful. What do you think? But here, here's, here's the goal of preaching. It all depends on what your criteria is. Uh, the goal is to be used by God to impact, transform, and motivate God's army in accordance with the vision that he's given to us. That's the one goal. That's the only thing that matters in terms of preaching. That means that the goal here has nothing to do with entertaining. It has nothing to do with being flowery, with making you feel good, with, uh, you know, making you like me or anything like that. And this is true for every person who stands up here and preaches. The only goal is that one. Uh, It's not even about making nice speeches and making sure that every point connects to the next point and all that other kind of stuff. It's about being used by God to impact uh, the, the army to get in line with the vision so we accomplish all that God wants us to accomplish. Now, how are we doing on that? I would say this, and this is just kind of, I think, an honest report. There's a, there's a pro and there's a con. I think, I think um, I, on the one hand, this last year, I have sensed more of an anointing in preaching than I've ever, than I've ever sensed here at Woodland Hills Church. Uh, especially the last couple months, there's just been an intensity, uh, a dimension, not always, but often, 
a dimension in the anointing. You can tell when you're preaching. It's like, man, the Lord's moving here and flowing, and there's this anointing. I think the primary reason for that is because of this prayer ministry that we've taken on the last four or five months, where we're now covering every ministry of the church in prayer in a way that we haven't before. And, I, and you feel it. You really feel it. Uh, when, when, you're, when you're up here ministering, the, the Lord just sort of comes down, and I thank God for that. I thank God for the impact that He's been making. I think it's been wonderful this last year. has been just, uh, uh, there's new challenges because we've grown about 13, 1,400 people so far as we can tell. And so that means, you know, you've got a lot of new people, so you've got to balance going deep with going wide and all sorts of stuff like that. But, but I see the Lord you know, really uh, uh, using the messages to impact people's lives. One of the things that's really blown me away the last year, we didn't plan on this. This wasn't even a strategy. The Lord just sort of threw it up at us, uh, is the way that the Lord's been uh, using messages and using the worship time to bring people to faith. To, 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 I mean, we've had, on, since February, we've averaged about 20 new decisions for Jesus Christ every weekend. Can you believe that? that that's just, praise God. And... I, I, amen. That is the bottom line. But it's not because we're, stra- you know, we're, we're trying to be evangelistic. You know, I'm talking to the army on, on, uh, on the weekends. But the Lord just uses it to impact them in wonderful ways. So praise God. Uh, there's been an, an improvement on the impact and the anointing that's going on here. Not just with me, but with other uh, people who have come uh, to preach here. I think the, the increased diversity that we've had from the pulpit has been a good thing, and that's something we want, we want to keep up. Having Ephraim come, and Paul Eddy, and, and, and Peggy, and others come and preach. One of the things we want to be doing in this next year and in the years to come is on occasion having national speakers who have a heart and a vision that is consistent with our own come and speaking to us. For example, in April we're going to have Tony Campolo come. I love that guy. Uh, he's just got a, a heart for what the kingdom's about that's very consistent with, with, with our own. Dean Sherman and some other leaders in YWAM will be coming. So that's something we want to continue to do, and, and I thank God for the improvement we've seen there at the same time. But I'm also very much aware that the word could have a greater impact. Uh, I'm, not, I'm happy with what's going on, but I'm not satisfied. I want more anointing. I want to see God use the messages more. I'm hungry, even greedy, to see God take the words that are spoken up here, whether it's me or anybody else, and just use them to even more so revolutionize people's thinking and revolutionize their hearts and transform them and empower them to be all they can be uh, for Jesus Christ. I have at times sensed that... Uh, the Word does not have the, the anointing that it could have, the, 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 the power that it should have. And I think one of the reasons is because, and I, one of our core values is being real here, so I'm going to be real with you here. I have actually, in the last six months or so, I just now noticed it. This is the value of having a report card. I've noticed that I'm not as intent on praying and fasting over my messages as I used to be. I used to just make that a higher priority than even studying for a message. But see, studying is a lot easier for me. The prayer part is harder, and I think it's because uh, there's been more prayer surrounding this, the, the, this, the, this, the messages, and I've sensed that anointing that there's part of me, and I didn't even realize it, that sort of backed off and said, oh, someone else is going to take care of that. But see, the Lord's goal is to add that to what I'm doing, not to, 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 to replace what I'm doing with that, you see? And so I, 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 my goal in 2002 is to, uh, take the, uh, to get back to that kind of original intensity that I had in praying and fasting over the messages that I bring forth with a view towards having God anoint the message, anoint the Word to transform people's lives as much as possible. Let's talk about worship. 
The second area of our reaching up ministry. Uh, the goal of worship is to engage, listen to this, in passionate, singularly focused, uninhibited, abandoned worship of God and to thereby experience His powerful presence. Now, this isn't an official statement. This is just sort of my summary of what, what, what our goal is. Maybe it should be an official one. I don't know. But to engage in passionate, singularly focused, that's focused on Jesus Christ, nothing else, uninhibited, loosen up a little bit here, abandoned, that means that you're not holding back, worship of God, ascribing worth to God, and to thereby experience His powerful presence. That's the only thing we're concerned with in worship. I don't care how good the music is. I don't care how nicely it goes, how smoothly it runs, uh, how, how, how good it looks. Uh, it just doesn't ma- If this doesn't happen, then there's nothing of value that has happened. Amen? On the other hand, if this happens, then it doesn't matter what else happens. This happened. When we come together in a, a, for a time of corporate worship, and we should be doing this on our own, we worship the Lord on our own. The goal is to ascribe to God the worth that is due Him. And we do that to the extent that we're focused on Him, sold out to Him, abandoned to Him, and passionate about Him. How we worship says more about the worth we ascribe to God than what we sing when we worship. You see? And so, so uh, uh, this is what worship is all about. And on the whole, I believe we are maturing in this area. There are new challenges because we have a lot of uh, 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 new people attending the church for whom this kind of worship is, is uh, a little different. They're not used to raising their hands. They're not sure about that guy over there who's jumping up and down. Uh, you know, they're not, they don't know what this guitar solo is all about. They, they register that as entertainment and things of that sort. So, so of course, they're going to be more resistant, and it takes a while to kind of warm up to this and start to see the biblical reasons for it and things like that. But on the whole, I think we're moving in the right direction. And maturing in that. And there have been, there have been times, haven't there? There have been times where, where the presence of God during the worship service has just come down. And it's a thing of beauty. It's the sweet, sweet presence of Jesus. How it moves my soul and sets my spirit free. And however the lyrics go in that song, I don't know. But uh, there have been times where we're just saturated by the power of God. And I love the fact that I'm, I'm hearing... Uh, people who, who talk about when they come here, uh, how uh, things happen during worship that otherwise wouldn't, would never happen. In terms of their, their being healed in their minds or their emotions or maybe their attitudes towards their spouse. There are people who come and they, they testify that for the first six weeks or the first six months, all they do is weep during the worship services uh, because they sense something here. And so I praise God for that. I think, I think we, we're, we're growing in the right direction. I also think we're growing in the right direction in terms of how we worship the Lord with our giving. That also is, is an act of worship. We don't worship the Lord just by what we sing. We worship the Lord by how we steward the resources that He's blessed us with. And one of the things that I just so appreciate about this congregation is that we've seen over the last nine years this, this reality. The, the leaders, the overseers pray about kind of where the budget should be, and we work with the pastors in terms of what their ministry needs are to arrive at a budget that we think is, is really... Uh, you know, kind of what we're, how God is leading us. And invariably, the people of God have risen to the occasion. Uh, it, it, it's happened every year. We've come out uh, right on the money, if not a little bit ahead, in terms of the budget that we set. This last year, how are we doing here? This is, this is I, I think, an A. This last year, the overseers really set a faith budget. It was a huge faith budget. It was almost a ridiculous faith budget. Uh, we increased our budget by about 50%. And everyone on this planet will tell you that's a ludicrous, silly thing to do. On top of that, we had a building program where we had to raise $4 million to get in this building. 
So we increased the budget 50% and had this building fund going on. Not terribly smart, but we really felt led of God to do it. In fact, we had to do it if we were going to come into this place. Uh, it was, it, these are the ministries we needed if we were going to do the minimal level of ministry that we needed to do once we get in here and supporting the building and things like that. And praise God. Um, it, you know, the first six months of the year, it was looking a little iffy. <laughs> it was like, I don't know, is this going to happen? And it took the fi- up to the 52nd week of, this, uh, of 2001 to get to the budget. But as of the 52nd week of uh, t- the last week in 2001, we made budget, praise God. Amen. That's an A. I, praise God. That's, that's huge. That is huge. Now you look at the thing, and technically we're $32,000 short of it. But you see, that's true. But we also had a couple of things that we had planned on doing that for various reasons, not for budget reasons, but for various reasons didn't happen. Uh, bringing a person on got delayed or whatever, so we actually came out ahead, even though on paper it was a little behind. And I just thank God for that. I think we're really maturing. This next year is going to be another phase step, because uh, not only are we, we you know, uh, moving forward in some of the ministries, but we're going to be having a building campaign for a youth center and a family center. So be praying about that. My challenge to us is to keep on letting the Lord, uh, yielding to the Lord, creating in us kingdom priorities and a kingdom vision where we really become countercultural people in this narcissistic, materialistic, money-oriented culture that we're a part of. Become countercultural in your, in, in your stewardship. Uh, learn the biblical principles of giving, and as we all steward this together, there's no, there's no limit to what God can do, praise God. I also want to give this challenge. Uh, while we are growing in terms of our worship, we also sense this that sometimes the intensity is there and the passion is there, and sometimes, let's say it out loud, it's not. Sometimes it seems kind of lip-singing as we worship the Lord. Sometimes it seems kind of flat. Sometimes it seems like people are just sort of watching, like it's an entertainment thing. Sometimes there's an anointing there, and man, everybody's engaged. Other times it's sort of like, you know... And what that tells us is this that we still, to a large degree, or at least to a significant degree, are a people that worship according to our mood. See? Sometimes we feel like it and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we're awake and sometimes we're kind of tired. Sometimes we've had a good week, oh, praise the Lord, and sometimes we've had a bad week. And so this is an area of, of growth that is needed. We need to be more consistent in this. Whenever we come to gather together, it ought to be a... A, a resolved decision on the part of our hearts that we're going to worship God no matter what, amen? We're going to wor- I said we're going to worship the Lord no matter what. Uh, because, see, it's about ascribing worth to God. It's not about reflecting how good our week's been. It's not about how, what kind of mood we're in, you see? In fact, in one sense, we worship the Lord more authentically when we don't feel like it because now we're saying, God, you're worth more than my feelings. So if you've had a good week, you worship God. But if you've had a real lousy, miserable, snotty week, you still worship God. Because God's bigger than your snotty week. I don't even know what a snotty week is, but it just sort of came to me, all right? You know, if your marriage is going good, you praise God. And if your marriage is going really lousy, you still praise God because God is bigger than your marriage, amen? 
And when your health is there, you praise God. And when you're feeling sick, you praise God. And when the finances are on the money and you're really going well, you praise God. And when you're stone broke, you still praise God. Because in doing that, you're saying, God, you're more important than my money. You're more important than my family. more important than my health. You're more important than life itself. I ascribe worth to you. That's what worship is all about. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. You worship the Lord no matter what. It's about passionate, singularly focused, uh, 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 ascribing worth to God. And so I want to challenge us as a congregation here and, and lock this in and remember it. Uh, uh, to, to come to our times together with a commitment that no matter what, you're going to now shut everything else out, you're going to think about Jesus, you're going to picture Jesus Christ, and you're going to praise Him, and you're going to celebrate Him, and you're going to worship Him. A lot is at stake in this. A lot is at stake in this because there are things that happen during worship that, 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 that don't happen in other places. People's lives are changed during worship because the presence of God is there. Souls get saved during worship because the presence of God is there. So like everything else about Christianity, it's not just about you. You're not the only one that's affected by whether or not you decide to worship the Lord or not. It's, there's other people. It's a social thing. There's other people who are affected. But whether or not we decide we're going to worship the Lord. There's even an evangelistic responsibility that every believer has to worship the Lord passionately because by doing that you're inviting the presence of God into your life and into this place and somebody may get touched who otherwise would not get touched and may give their heart to the Lord that morning who otherwise wouldn't give their heart to the Lord. So it's not just about you. We Americans think it's always about us. But it's also about other people and other implications that our decision has. I challenge us to every time we come together to worship the Lord with spirit, with truth, with passion, with focus, whether other people are worshiping with you or not, doesn't matter. You're going to worship God no matter what. Praise God. Now let's talk about one final area, and that's the support areas that go on on our weekend services. How are we doing there? How are we doing? I want to, I want to focus in on the greeters. People here who, uh, the part of their ministry is, is this. Here's the goal. To make all who attend the corporate gathering feel like they belong there. That's the goal of the greeters. We need to talk about these things. This is our report card. How are we doing here? Greeters? Except for Greg Foote, I think the rest of you are doing a pretty good job, really. Now, he, I, what are we doing with this? No. Um, you, you know, Jody, Jody Frick Formula uh, has taken over this ministry, and I want to say she has done an incredible, incredible job. She really has. You guys know her? Amen. She is just, uh, we have doubled the number of greeters and ushers. This last year, we doubled the number of people who are involved in that ministry. And it is a vital, important ministry. Uh, And I thank God for that. Um, Their job is to, whoever comes here, to make them feel like this is is a place where they belong. If they choose to to belong to this church, then they should feel like they belong to this church. And uh, I think they're doing an outstanding job. Uh, here's one testimony. A person came, uh, and uh, this person said that they, they're a person of color, and, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's difficult when you go to a congregation that is primarily composed of people who look different than you. I, uh, I, whenever I can, I go to predominantly uh, uh, churches that are non, non-white, non-Caucasian churches, and uh, there's immediately a sense of, you know, I stand out here, don't I? I don't quite look like most of the people here. And I wonder if they like me or not. And so it really is important that somebody reaches out their hand and say, you know what, I'm glad you're here. Welcome. I'm glad you're a part of this. 
Well, I appreciate people of color who come here and, uh, and uh, uh, become part of this because one of our visions is to become a, a congregation that's more diverse. And this woman said, you know what? This is the first predominantly white church I've been to where I really felt like I was welcomed. They were so warm and, and, and so nice when I walked in the door and they looked me in the eye and in a lot of places this person didn't get that. And that's like a home run to me. I mean, that's praise God. That's, that's the goal of the whole thing. And so, I, amen. Greeters, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. But I want to say this. Okay, here's the challenge part. Okay? Like the book of Revelation, there's a yes but. The greeters aren't the only ones who have a responsibility to do this. Okay? This is, this is and now this seems like a small thing. This seems like a little minor thing. In fact, I want to submit to you, it's a huge, huge, huge thing that we all take. Everyone for whom this is your spiritual body, you take responsibility to make everybody who's here feel like they're welcome. Look what the Bible says. Paul says this in, in Romans 16. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Greet one another with a holy kiss. And then he's saying, well, what's up with this kiss business? You know? Well, I'm glad he put the word holy in there, right? Greet a holy kiss. In the Mediterranean world, you know, some of you have been there. Uh, and in a lot of parts of the world, you greet each other with a little kiss on the cheek. Or in France, they kiss each other on the... Even men kiss each other on the lips sometimes. Uh, you know, I'm glad I'm in America. But here's the thing. The point of it is not how you do it, but the point is make each other feel very welcome. Warmly embrace one another. Welcome one another, okay? Paul is insistent on this. In fact, the Bible is insistent on this. In fact, there are few commands that are repeated as frequently as the command to greet one another warmly. Uh, for example, it says in, in, in 1 Corinthians, uh, 16 and 2 Corinthians 13 and 1 Thessalonians 5 and 1 Peter 4. The same thing. Greet each other with a holy kiss. Embrace one another. Welcome one another. Paul goes so far as to say this in Romans 15. Listen to this. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Now, there is a command. Just as Christ has welcomed you. How has, how has Christ made you feel welcome to the Father? All right? That's quite a welcome, don't you think? In the same way, Paul says, welcome one another. And the reason you do it is for the glory of God. Now we've got the glory of God wrapped up in this whole thing. The glory of God is reflected when we warmly greet one another, embrace one another with this holy kiss, with a handshake, with a how are you doing, when we meet one another. It glorifies God. You don't do it because you know the person is convenient and you're comfortable doing it, uh, you know, whatever. You do it because it glorifies God. Because Jesus said this, Father, I pray that they all may be one even as we are one, that the world may know that you have sent me. The main, get this, this is why this is not a, a little thing. It seems like a little thing, but it's a huge thing. And that's often the case in the kingdom. It's the, little, the apparently little things that are really, really important. The main thing that's to, to, to characterize us, to distinguish us, is our love for one another, right? It's our love for one another. Now, of course, in a large meeting like this, you can't get intimate and deeply personal and all that stuff. That's, that's for small groups, and that's why we emphasize the need to have love in small groups and to learn to live life together. But there's a kind of love that is appropriate to a group like this, a larger group like this. And it ought to be the case that we set, every time we come together, an atmosphere of love that is noticeable. Like, man, this is a friendly place. 
wow, these people really are welcoming. They're really uh, loving towards one another in a way that is appropriate, that we can do out there in the gathering area or wherever we are, to make everyone feel welcome, to go up and introduce ourselves to them, uh, to develop bonds and friendships. It doesn't mean that we become best friends with everybody that's here. You can't do that. But just a handshake, just a hello, just an introduction. It, it's, a, it's a vital thing that we need to be a part of. It's also a radically anti-American thing, or I should say un-American thing at least. And, and frankly, on the whole, this is the report card now, Woodland Hills Church is pretty much what you'd expect in America. Everyone individually comes to church, everyone individually gets blessed, everyone individually gets what they want, and everybody individually heads out to the door. This is how we do it. I want to encourage all of us to swim upstream on this one and take one minute to just say hi to somebody, to, to welcome somebody, uh, to, to embrace somebody, especially when there are uh, possibilities that, that they maybe wouldn't feel welcome. There are people who go here for years and still don't feel welcome, and that just shouldn't be the case. But when there are especially obstacles that could keep a person from, from feeling welcome here. I mentioned before the whole issue of color. That's a huge one. We need to go out of our way to make sure that people of color feel really welcomed here. Because the, the inclination would be not to feel welcomed in an environment that's, that's radically different from your, from, from your own. The other thing is this. You never know what else is at stake in a person's life. When people come here, you don't know where they are at. And a little hello, a little I'm glad to see you here, a little, uh, you know, I'm glad that, that you came here this morning, can make such a difference in a person's life. Normally it's just sort of a, boy, that was nice. But sometimes it can be huge. You don't know where a person is at. Uh, I'll close with this. Several years ago, we had a, a, a person, uh, when we were at Arlington, there was a young man who... Uh, about 25 years old or so, who came to the church. He had not been in church in five or six years. The reason is because the previous church he was in was one of these churches that um, they, 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 they kind of excommunicated him. And the reason was because he smoked. And I, I don't quite understand this, but, but there's a lot of evangelical churches where that's sort of like way up there on the sin list, and uh, they, they, they really get down on that. I mean, you can, uh, you, you, can, you can have no concern for the poor and still be on the board. And you can, you know, be greedy but still be on the board. And you can be, you know, have a, if you're subtle enough, you can be a racist and still be on the board. And you can be an absolute glutton and still be on the board, be even the pastor of the church. I mean, all these things that the Bible mentions, you could be and, and, and yet still be okay. But if you smoked... Oh, see, that, 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 that's just one of these unforgivable things. Or it's just one of these intolerable things. So, uh, one way or another, he was really beat up about this. And he saw the hypocrisy of it. He saw the hypocrisy of it. Yeah, it's not good to be addicted to anything. But, but is it, you know, why is this worse than being addicted to food like the pastor is? Or the gossip? Or the other stuff that's going on? And so he's kind of run out of the church. Someone invited him back to the church. And he came, and uh, he was a little nervous. Especially because he heard that we were a Baptist church. Some of you probably didn't know that. I forget it most of the time myself. <laughs> um, but uh, um, he, was, he was nervous. He was nervous. Uh, the worship time really moved him. The preaching time, something got to him. So he was kind of like thinking, man, I really need this. But he wasn't sure about these. Uh, is he going to be judged? Because he still had this thing with, with nicotine. After the service, he went out, right where the people exit, over in Arlington when we were over there. And he lit up, right, as, uh, right where the people walked by, because he wanted to see if these people would judge him. And obviously, that's a smart thing to do, but, but that's where he was at. So he's, he, he's sitting there talking away as, as the people are walking past, and he's looking at their eyes. Are they judging me? Now, thankfully, they weren't. And, um, and that made him feel, you know, kind of good. But then somebody came up to him, 
And he told me, he said, you know, I thought, okay, here's where I'm going to get reamed out. Now they're going to come down and tell me what I ought not to do and yada, 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 and whatever. But the person didn't. The person just came up and said, hi, my name is so-and-so. What's your name? Oh, have you been here before? Where are you from? Do you live in this area? What are you about? And just talk to them like a normal person. And that's no big deal. You know, but, but to this person, see, that's where they were at. That made all the difference in the world. That, that collapsed a red flag that he had about the whole Christian church. And so the person reconsecrated his life to the Lord and became part of the, the, the entire congregation. You never know what's going on in a person's life. I encourage us, Wilton Hills Church, in the year 2002, to become just a place that's noticeably friendly, okay? That, where you really step out of your comfort zone and greet one another. One of the reasons why we sometimes don't do this is because in a congregation this size, you can forget who you met and who you, who you haven't met. Yeah, see? Okay, yeah. And I am really brain damaged on this one, okay? I, 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 you know, I introduced myself to the same people 16 times. So I want to have a rule here, all right? Uh, you, everyone here is allowed to reintroduce themselves to the same person 490 times. That's 7 times 70, all right? Is that a good rule? So here's the rule. Don't feel embarrassed by that. And just meet people and say, hi. And if you met before, say, oh, good. Well, I'm glad to see you here again. And, and just extend that, that warm Christian fellowship towards one another. Greet one another. Welcome one another. Spend some time talking with one another. Let me end with this. Would the believers close their eyes? At the end of every service, we just like to give an invitation to anybody who wants to become a believer to do so. To join the kingdom to do so. Last night we had four people commit their lives to Jesus Christ. So I'm wondering, is there anybody here? who has not yet really consciously, verbally said yes to Jesus Christ, surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been doing the religion thing for a while, maybe not. Maybe you've uh, lived a pretty good life, maybe not. It doesn't matter at all. What matters is this. Is Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior? And uh, if there's anybody here right now who wants to make that commitment, I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to call you forward. We're all going to pray this together. But would you just raise your hand? And uh, just to acknowledge that you're here, and I want to pray with you from up here. Anybody here at all who needs to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just raise your hand. You're saying, yes, I want to join the kingdom of God. I want to be part of this army. I want to be part of what God is doing here. Just raise your hand very quickly if there's anybody here at all. Okay, I'm going to just hope and pray that everybody here is a believer. And so as the prayer team comes forward, I want to close with this prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray, Lord God, that you would saturate your love upon us, Lord God. Make us people who are outrageously loving towards one another and towards the people in, uh, outside the church and outside the kingdom. That the world may know that you are for real and they'd know that by how you're reflected in our life, in big ways and in small ways, Lord. Make this body of people, Lord God, myself included, all that we can be for the kingdom of God. We want to, Lord God, be used by you to impact the world in revolutionary ways, Lord, to be all that you know that we can be for the sake of your glory, for the spreading of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. If uh, you're here and you have any need whatsoever that you'd like to have prayed for, anything going on in your life that you really would like to seek the Lord on, I encourage you to come forward. These folks would love to spend some time with you uh, in prayer. Otherwise, go forth, be anointed, and let the love of God flow in you and through you to a world that needs it. Amen.